Make a good decision for your company today and reach MPB listeners through MPB program underwriting. For more information, go to mpbonline.org slash underwriting. Good morning. It's 830 on Monday, January 28th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, how much snow could your part of the state see as part of a winter weather warning? We'll let you know. Then Senator Cindy Hyde-Smith reacts to a temporary end to the federal shutdown. If everybody operates in good faith to come up with a long-term solution and meet the needs or meet in the middle to where we can come up with an agreement that everybody can live with and uh, get it passed. Plus, how workforce training could impact the state economy. And after everyday tech, analysis of drug addiction across the country and here at home. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. We have wintry weather on the way, and we'll hear from uh, the National Weather Service momentarily. But first, federal employees in Mississippi are back at work today as the partial federal government shutdown comes to a temporary end. About 4,000 federal employees in Mississippi have been staying home or working without pay. That's according to the online political journal Governing. Mississippi Senator Cindy Hyde-Smith says she's hopeful the Senate can work with the House and President Donald Trump to reach a permanent funding agreement agreement in three weeks. She spoke with MPB's Jasmine Ellis. Well, you know, we are looking for a permanent solution, but above all, everybody is ready to get the government open and working again. So I am very happy that, you know, that will be done and that at least for a three-week continuing resolution, that will give us an opportunity to, if everybody operates in good faith, to come up with a long-term solution and meet the needs or meet in the middle to where we can come up with an agreement that everybody can live with and uh, get it passed. And so what are you hoping for in a future deal? Well, I fully support the president on funding the wall. I uh, have been in the Rio Grande River with a bulletproof vest on up and down that river with machine guns all the way around me. I have witnessed firsthand the problems and the seriousness of the condition of that border. The drug cartels are running the border. I've talked to landowners down there. And, you know, when you look at the fact that over 90% of the heroin coming into this country is coming from Mexico, you know, that alone is certainly reason enough for me to fully support constructing a wall, a barrier, something that is effective to try to put a dent, move the needle as much as we can move it on the crisis that we have. We have an opioid crisis here. The uh, cost price tag that goes along with the drug treatments, the crimes committed because of the drug issues that we have, it so outweighs the cost of constructing some type of barrier there. And I've been an advocate for a very long time. So, you know, that is my, hopefully my end resolution to this is that uh, we can come up with an agreement, but certainly for funding. Okay. And so what compromise are you willing to agree on? You know, I'm one of those that I think I'm pretty reasonable 
And uh, if they would, you know, come up with a plan to fully fund the president's request, even if it's done in a two-part series or a three-part series, um, you know, I would just have to look at any proposal uh, before, you know, I could answer that because we don't know what the proposal is going to be in front of us. But even if we did it in a multi-year plan, that, you know, I would consider that. So how soon can federal workers who have been affected see their paychecks? I think that would be immediate, but I don't have the details of the specific day that they would be able to accomplish all of that. Well, Senator Cindy Hyde-Smith, thank you so much for speaking with me. Thanks, Jasmine. Congressman Stephen Palazzo represents Mississippi's 4th Congressional District. He tells our Jasmine Ellis border security is especially important to his constituents on the Gulf Coast. I actually welcome the deal. I know uh, we've got a lot of federal contractors in South Mississippi, NASA contractors and Coast Guard members who need the certainty and stability of a a steady paycheck uh, in return for the service that they do to their to their nation. And, and I, I think uh, I welcome it because it also shows a huge contrast of President Trump and the Republicans uh, versus the Democrats. I mean, this president really cares about the American people, but he also cares so much about them that he understands that border security is national security and that we got to quit talking about securing our border and actually do something about it. So what are you hoping for in a future deal? Well, I'm hoping the um, act, the Democrats actually do what they say they want to do. I mean, I, almost every one of them is on record in some form or fashion talking about how they support physical barriers or they support a wall or they support securing our borders. And so, I mean, if they're basically agreeing with us that we need to secure our borders to keep the drug traffickers, the known terrorists, criminals, uh, human traffickers out of our communities, uh, then let's get together and come up with a, a bipartisan, common-sense like solution to secure our nation. So President Trump has asked for a certain amount of funding. What will Republicans be willing to accept? I really haven't seen uh, the entire uh, package and what, what, what he's definitely going to want. I, I mean, I was good with the $1.6 billion that he originally requested. Uh, but um, I think the $5.7 billion is, is important to actually you know, put the money where our mouths are and actually secure our border. But I think somewhere in between would be a, a huge compromise that shows that you know, we're ready to show not only the American people but the rest of the world that we're here to govern. But we take our border security seriously, and we're going to keep the, keep, keep the things out of our country that shouldn't be coming into our country. And so what compromise would you be willing to agree on? Well, the, 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 the only thing I can agree on is if there is truly secures the border. Uh, you know, we've been having a conversation on immigration and our borders for, since Ronald Reagan. And, you know, Ronald Reagan, uh, you know, gave the Democrats everything that they wanted, and we got nothing in return. So, I mean, we truly have to secure our borders. I mean, this is, this is a matter of protecting families in South Mississippi, Mississippi. And we're not just talking about people coming over here to try to find a job or work in the, you know, the nurseries. I mean, these are, they're bringing in drugs, again, human trafficking, known terrorists are coming, criminal gang members. Um, so we, it, for me to accept a package that South Mississippi would support as well, there has to be a real down payment 
on securing our border. Congressman Stephen Palazzo, thank you very much for taking the time to speak with me. Jasmine, my pleasure. Call me anytime. Democratic Congressman Benny Thompson is chairman of the Homeland Security Committee. He represents Mississippi's 2nd Congressional District. He was not available to speak to us, but in a statement, he says his party wants effective border security, but will only agree on spending money on projects that will, quote, actually make a difference. In other news, attracting and retaining workers is an ongoing challenge, according to many Mississippi companies. It's the focus of a workforce summit in Jackson. MPB's Desiree Frazier reports. Cosmetic company Sephora operates a distribution center in Olive Branch. The company has begun an initiative to hire more than 100 people with disabilities. Tom Gustafson is with Sephora. They've hired 50 people so far. There's not a lot of companies that do this. Most companies are afraid to do this because there are a lot of myths that come with hiring individuals with disabilities where we've debunked them. We know that they're more productive. We know that they come to work every day. Gustafson is with hundreds of business leaders at the Governor's Workforce Summit. They're sharing ideas to attract and retain workers. Governor Phil Bryant says the state's employment website lists nearly 45,000 jobs. He says Mississippi's low unemployment rate of 4.7 percent makes hiring more difficult. Bryant says companies should consider providing child care. We've got to put a learning component in those daycare centers so those children are learning those soft skills that they need, like conflict resolution uh, and teamwork, and so they will be the workforce of the future. At the same time, helping that mom find a training program, help her find a job. Jack Belota is with Milwaukee Tools. He says many people don't understand what they should expect from an employer. We're doing a poor job educating the youth and what insurance benefits mean, what's the value of a 401k and those kind of things because people don't understand what all they're getting that they can't actually touch. Governor Bryant says state agencies are working with community colleges to provide education and training. Desiree Frazier. MPB News. Coming up, what can we expect from the winter weather arriving tonight? This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Can we get real for a second about New Year's resolutions? That tidy list of all the swell things we're going to do to make 2019 pretty darn perfect. Lose weight, quit smoking, save money. What if this year, instead, you simply determined to think in new ways? To learn one little thing every day. MPB Think Radio can help. Information that enhances your health, can inspire your finances, and uplift your spirits. Even opportunities to volunteer. All at mpbonline.org. Sometimes real is better than perfect. MPB listeners pay attention to quality. They look for quality in their work and their daily lives. If your business cares about quality customers, look to MPB. Go to mpbonline.org slash underwriting for more information. This is Everyday Tech on Mississippi Edition. I'm Michelle McAdoo with Wilt Couture and Jeremy Thompson, and today we're discussing home networking systems. So guys, setting up a home networking system can be challenging, but with new advances in technology, it doesn't have to be. As technology has advanced, one of the really nice things is it's become much more simple. It's a lot more user-friendly, and the idea of pretty much anyone being able to pull something out of the box and work with it really has become a reality. Yet I install these devices all the time, and I've watched them over the years become easier and easier to use, and now you can even set them up from your smartphone. So what are some tips you would give someone wanting to set up their own? 
own home network. Well, one of the first pieces of advice I would give to someone is it's very similar to what we say about real estate. It's all location, location, location. For one, it's got to be somewhere that you can easily access. But And especially nowadays when you're dealing with wireless, where you place that wireless device in your home or even in your business is so important to what kind of experience you're going to have with it. So placing things, for example, on a metal filing cabinet, really not a good idea if you're talking about wireless signals. Uh, Likewise, setting things up to run in your kitchen for whatever reason. You know, you remember a lot of high voltage runs through kitchens. So where you place these devices really will dictate your experience. And you definitely want to place it somewhere central to where most of your activity is going on. And for most people, that's actually right in the middle of their house. Uh, When your ISP, your internet provider, is coming to install this in your house, you can tell them where you would like for them to set this up. Make sure that it's a location that is convenient for you. Otherwise, they'll just grab a wire and plug it in. And another thing to think about, when you're talking about all this equipment, it's really easy, especially in the world of technology, to get lost in terminology and to get lost in some of the different terms people will throw out there to you. I tell folks, labeling is your friend. Even if that just means taking a post-it note and sticking it on something and say, hey, this is the modem, this is the router, this is the switch. Or even something as simple as, hey, this is the password to get back into it and sticking it underneath the device. You know, while a lot of us computer folks will tell you, no, don't just stick your password out there for anybody to find. I find when dealing with it in a home environment, the likelihood of someone coming along and stealing your password out of your living room is probably pretty slim. So so making sure you make those notes, because it could be another year down the road that you're trying to get into this, and you want to be able to find the information that you need. Absolutely. And when we talk about labeling, we want to make sure that we're not just talking about the equipment itself, um, but also the adapters, because those can get misplaced if you have to move. Uh, it's hard to find the adapter that goes back into that particular device, as well as the cables that go into your equipment. Uh, this is the one for the dining room. This is the one for the living room room, et cetera, et cetera. Always knowing which of those cables goes where will reduce uh, difficulty later when you're trying to troubleshoot a problem. So what are the most common problems you've noticed with home networking systems? When I get called into a customer's house, uh, the main issue is probably speed. Uh, So when I go there, I look at what device they're running, and usually it's some type of outdated equipment. And so I'll say, you need to call your Internet service provider, and you need to get them to come and update this equipment, or you need to take it back to them, and they need to give you an updated piece of equipment. So definitely making sure that your equipment is compatible with today's standards is a good place to start, as well as making sure that you don't have older equipment that is slowing you down, like wireless G or N routers. Both of those are outdated, and they slow everything down these days. And you bring up a great point. Point, Jeremy, and another thing to add on to that is remember that over time, your networking equipment, your home networking equipment will actually wear out. It's, it's, remember, we're asking these things to run 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So over time, with electricity running through it and heat and cooling and all these other things going on, the devices can wear out. So yeah, it is pretty possible that down the road, you will have to actually replace a device or put something in there a little bit newer and just making sure you're staying up with it. That wireless router you had from 10 years ago is not going to be keeping up with what we're doing today. And when it comes to uh, what you hook those devices to, as far as power goes, you may want to consider a battery backup of some kind, but at least a surge protector to protect that device in the event of some sort of power event. So, Michelle, while on the surface, it may seem kind of intimidating to set up and manage a home network, especially nowadays, it really should not be. A lot of steps have been taken, a lot of advances have been made to make the whole process and the whole experience just so much smoother for everyone. So a lot of those challenges can be overcome just by simply doing just a little bit of research and making sure that what you're getting is going to fit your needs. 
Well, that will wrap us up for today. To hear more Everyday Tech, tune in each Wednesday at 10 a.m. or online at mpbonline.org. For Wilts Contreras and Jeremy Thompson, I'm Michelle McAdoo. This has been Everyday Tech on the Mississippi Edition. Get your MPB car tag anytime. It doesn't even have to be up for renewal. Simply go to your county office to sign up. When you get an MPB car tag, a portion of the fee helps MPB continue to educate, inform, and entertain Mississippians. For details, visit mpbonline.org slash car tag. We'll see you on the road. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. A winter storm warning is in effect for much of Mississippi from late this evening into tomorrow. Temperatures well below freezing are likely, and some areas could see as much as one to three inches of snow. Joining us with the complete weather outlook is Felicia Bowser, a meteorologist with the National Weather Service. Good morning, Felicia. Good morning. Pleasure to be here. I understand that this is going to begin as rain and then switch over to snow? That's right, because we're expecting uh, that stuff to come in by this uh, late tonight, especially across the Jackson Metro. It'll get here about midnight or so. So initially, with this cold front, that's where the uh, rain and snow is going to start. It's going to start as rain, and then it's going to transition over to snow as the temperatures plummet with time. Does that mean ice forms on the road and then snow falls on top of the ice? Well, not necessarily. Because we've been warm this past weekend and we're going to be warm today, we're going to get up into the mid-60s, which is crazy to think that we're getting snowed tomorrow, but it's true. But because we've been so warm, uh, that's actually going to help us in, a, in the uh, long run for tomorrow because as it starts off as rain and the, and the, war, and the ground is still warm, that's fine. But as we transi- transition over to snow, that snow is going to initially accumulate across the grassy areas, and that's okay too. But as we keep going and the temperatures continue to plummet and it switches over to snow, uh, that snow is going to start to accumulate on the roads. Initially across the higher elevation surfaces, such as bridges and overpasses, they're, they're usually more susceptible in uh, the ground being a little bit cooler across there. And then in the other roads, it's going to take a little bit longer, but it will accumulate. But we're not expecting this uh, snow to stick around for much long, uh, for quite a long time because it's going to be moving pretty quick. So accumulation, like you said, around one to three is not going to be overly significant, And uh, but there will be some slick spots on the roads. Central Mississippi is under a winter storm warning, while North and South Mississippi face a winter weather advisory. What's the difference? So with the winter weather advisory, we're not expecting a significant amount of snow. We're only expecting about an inch maybe a little bit less than that. So that's across the northern part of the state and the southern part of the state, like you said. Now, with the winter weather warning, we're expecting a little bit more snow, and that's why we have one to three inches there. So anything that's uh, beyond one inch is where you're going to see that winter weather warning. Is there anything that someone should take precautions with in terms of, I mean, yes, when you head out tomorrow, you want to be careful. What about the wind chill factor? Is that going to be a concern? Oh, absolutely. Uh, wind chills are going to get into the teens and 20s starting tomorrow morning as that cold front ushers in an Arctic air mass, quite a chilly air mass. 
and uh, people need to be careful and uh, make sure that they bundle up pretty tight. And if there's school and, and if there's uh, no delays or anything, uh, they need to wrap their kids nice and warm. All right. Thank you so much for being with us. Felicia Bowser with the National Weather Service. Appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good one. In other news, drug-related deaths are on the rise, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. That trend is true in Mississippi, although our state seems to have a lower rate than some others in the country. John Auerbach is president of the Trust for America's Health. His organization is releasing new analysis of drug addiction data, and he joins us with the details. The latest data indicate um, staggering rates of increased of drug-related deaths uh, throughout the nation and an indication that we haven't yet adequately addressed this national tragedy. What demographic is most at risk? Well, there are different demographic groups that are at elevated risk. We know that people in rural areas are twice as likely to uh, have um, drug overdoses uh, in terms of the rates. We also know that there are certain age groups where people are uh, more likely to overdose, and in particular, the age uh, period from 25 years of age to 54 is where we've seen the highest rates of drug overdoses. And, and then in terms of racial and ethnic groups, the rates are higher among whites uh, than they are among black or Hispanics. However, we're seeing the rates increase among blacks and Hispanics, but they are not yet at the elevated rates, at the elevated levels that they are for whites. Does Mississippi follow all those trends you've just described? It does follow all those trends. However, the rates in Mississippi have not been um, as high as many other states with regard to drug overdoses. Uh, Mississippi is the 42nd state in terms of drug overdoses, so, um, so it still has a serious problem uh, with regard to overdoses, but it is not among the, uh, the top half of the country in terms of the rates. John, is there a place where the public can uh, see this data? Yes. They can go to our website, which is www tfah.org, that's for Trust for America's Health, or they can go to the CDC, cdc.gov site, and then search for uh, overdose information. John Auerbach is the president and CEO of Trust for America's Health. Thank you very much for being with us, John. Thank you for your attention to this issue. Hear this conversation again whenever you want by subscribing to our podcast. Just search for Mississippi Edition in iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or your favorite podcasting app. Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for a full slate of Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Coming up at 9 o'clock, it's Deep South Dining. Then at 10, it's Now You're Talking. And at 11, stay tuned for Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. Did you miss part of the show today? Find past episodes of this and other Think Radio programs online at mpbonline.org. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi edition, only on MPB Think Radio.
Can't get to a radio? Well, don't worry. MPB Think and Music Radio are available online and on our MPB public media app. It's simple. Just log on to our website at mpbonline.org to get started. This is MPB Think Radio. Hey, I'm Marshall Ramsey, the host of Now You're Talking, the show about the most interesting people in Mississippi. Join us to hear stories from artists, activists, and entrepreneurs. Every Monday at 10, only on MPB Think Radio. President Trump has one message for Congress. Wall should not be controversial. The deal to reopen the government does not include funding for a wall, but Trump's still pushing for one. Every career Border Patrol agent I have spoken with has told me that walls work. They do work. I'm Audie Cornish, where the wall fight goes from here this afternoon on All Things Considered from NPR News. Today at 